，鬼岛之音 ，Ghost Island Media。In the past month, I've been away in the U.S. half on vacation, but also attending Climate Week in New York City. I talk about my takeaways from the week there in a special bonus exclusive for our Patreon supporters. So if you miss that episode, head on over to Patreon.com/wastenotwhynot to give us money and to hear that. Today I'm wrapping up our three-part series on recycling. In part one, I sat down with Andrew Ryan from Radio Taiwan International and talked about how the world can learn from the Taiwan experience. In part two, I talked with a trash recycling wizard on the nonprofit recycling sector in the United States. Today, to wrap up the series, we're going to expand our view to the world. What is the current status of the global recycling trade, and how has the China ban cut the recycling industry into pieces? Hi, I'm Nature Nate, and this is Waste Not Why Not, a podcast on how not to save the environment. I'm an environmental researcher based in Taiwan. I work on energy, ocean, and especially waste issues. I was supposed to record this episode while I was in the U.S. inside of a recycling bin, but when I climbed inside, I realized that it was not properly sorted, and I started to have like a mini breakdown, and I just couldn't record the episode. That's what I told Emily. What happened? So here it goes, live from Taipei. This is trash trade. The number one question I get asked is, "Why is recycling broken, Nate?" Well, global trade—it's important, all thanks to Trump, and it's especially important right now because ever since China announced that they would stop accepting trash from the U.S. and other rich countries, there's been a lot of information, or what I call misinformation. On what this really means and its implications, so waste not your time consuming wrong and unhelpful information on the global trash trade. Why not pay attention to the next ten or fifteen minutes? Point number one: China won't take our trash anymore. This is scary because we don't know how to recycle. Therefore, recycling is dead. I hear this a lot, and it's wrong because we actually know how to recycle. When I say we, I mean richer countries. The U.S. already has these capabilities. We have recycling infrastructure, as we learned from the past episode. We just don't want to pay for it, and that's because it's extremely cheap to send trash to landfill. It can cost as little as ten to fifteen dollars per ton, and you might get charged fifty dollars per ton to dump it into the landfill. Whereas recycling could cost more than a hundred U.S. dollars per ton, we have the technology. It just costs money. The other thing to consider is that okay, we've been sending our trash to China for several years, so we definitely don't have the same capacity that we could. However, it's pretty easy to build these facilities. It's hard to site them sometimes, but it's really a matter of putting the machinery inside of a factory, which is actually just a warehouse. They are quite modular. They're easy to buy in that they already exist. Again, they just cost money, and you have to find a market for the end products. So that is a demand problem, not a supply sorting or technology problem. The real root problem is that we actually do not have enough high-valued recycled materials to process. 
And why is this? It's because in many parts of the world, we have switched over to single stream recycling. This is especially true in the US. We collect all of our recyclables in a blue bin, like in San Francisco, and we then send it to a waste processing facility, usually called a MRF. In these facilities, you try and separate the waste as best you can, but it's difficult for even advanced optical sorting technology to differentiate between waste if it's dirty or contaminated or way too mixed together. So if you have a plastic bottle and maybe you get the label wrong or maybe it's covered in some yogurt from your yogurt container that you didn't wash out because you were too hungover the night before, well, congratulations, you just contaminated a lot of recycling. The way to deal with this is to have actual waste sorting like we do in Taiwan or in Japan or in many parts of Europe. Separate things based on bottles, cans, different materials. If you keep them separated, it'll be easier to process them in recycling. The takeaway when someone tells you that recycling is dead is that actually we're really good at the mechanical process of turning recycled materials into products, but we're quite bad, at least in the U.S., on preparing materials for that process, and it's simply uneconomic to prepare them to do so. So no, it's not that scary that China won't take our trash anymore. We have the capabilities, and this is an opportunity for the U.S. to clean up its waste management and get closer to where we started with recycling towards the 70s and 80s. Point number two in misleading recycling claims. It turns out that China, or any other lower-income country we were dumping our trash on, wasn't recycling them anyways. That trash is just ending up in the ocean. Therefore, recycling is a lie. This understanding is problematic. Actually, China wasn't throwing out the trash. For decades, they were actually buying the trash from the U.S. and other rich countries. Entrepreneurs on both sides realized that all those made-in-China shipping containers that were sent to the U.S. full of goods for Walmart and other big-box retailers were going back to China as empty boxes. And so they realized they could put recyclable materials inside and try and mitigate those shipping costs. The idea that China or any other lower-income country would then just buy that garbage from the U.S. and then throw it into the ocean doesn't make any sense at all. Look at it from an economic viewpoint. Why would you buy waste just to throw it out again? Switch our viewpoint. The U.S. and richer countries are not dumping garbage. They are selling a commodity to people who buy that to then turn it into products with recycled material. If you're a manufacturer, sometimes you can cut down costs by buying a raw material, in this case plastic bottles, repurposing those and using it in the manufacturing process. So these so-called poorer countries are actually independent corporations that are purchasing this garbage through an international framework to use as raw materials inside of the supply chain. Now, some of that is inevitably going to be waste, just like when those countries would buy petrochemical products or when they would buy ore for iron to manufacture something. There is going to be some waste. How they dispose of that waste is on them and on those corporations. It is not the fault of the U.S. or other higher income nations for just giving them that garbage and then they don't handle it properly. Now, obviously, there's more that could be done, but at the same time, there's so much murkiness in supply chains, it's hard to parse out. Since China banned waste imports, other countries have tried to fill in that gap. Southeast Asia, Philippines, Malaysia have imported a lot of waste from richer countries. Taiwan also imported a lot of waste. Now you see things like 
President Duterte of the Philippines asking Canada to take back its garbage, acting like Canada dumped that waste on the Philippines, when in fact, some Filipino company bought that garbage themselves. And whether or not it's contaminated, that's more of an enterprise issue. Now, look at Taiwan. As other countries are considering also banning waste imports, Taiwan did this as well. They did it for about 10 months. However, Taiwan's recycling industry lobbied the government and said, hey, you have to undo this ban. This is a source of raw materials for us. There's not enough recyclable materials in Taiwan to meet the demands for international trade. Remember, Taiwan is a key member of this functional fabric supply chain. And a lot of those, Nike, Adidas, H&M, are using recycled plastics inside of clothing. If Taiwan cannot have access to enough recyclable materials, then they cannot participate in international trade. So this is not a matter of dumping trash. This is a philosophical problem. These are just resources that are transformed in a different way. The takeaway here is that we can keep exporting waste to the countries that want to buy it. It's a commodity after all. But if we're serious about stopping waste from entering the oceans, then what we need to do is improve waste management in lower income countries. So now that we've cleared up most of the trashy misunderstandings on the global waste trade, what do we do now? How do we move forward now that we can no longer send our garbage to China? Number one, please keep in mind, recycling is not a high bar. It's actually the minimum. No one said that recycling was going to solve all of our environmental problems. What the U.S. really needs to do is develop waste management policies within its own borders, such as extended producer responsibility, where manufacturers pay into a recycling fund that develops recycling technologies and supply chains. This is how we really fix recycling. The number two most important thing we can do is buy more products made with recycled materials. At the moment, most consumers, according to surveys that I've seen, don't care that much about buying recycled products. Ask yourself, listeners, who are the target audience for recycled products, how often do you buy recycled products? I have a belt made of old bike tires, but I can't say that I even buy recycled products that often. We need to develop a strong market demand for recycled products to continue growing that. Things that we've seen from Nike and other clothing companies are encouraging, but it's not enough to create a truly circular economy. The last thing that we can do is ban unrecyclable materials. This is really important, even for things that are so-called recyclable. Polystyrene, styrofoam, is a perfect example. You can technically recycle polystyrene. But in practice, there are almost no markets, it's very difficult to collect, and no one has much of a demand for products that are made afterwards. So we need waste bans, but in parts of the U.S., local governments have banned waste bans. That's something we should probably fix. If you're a product designer, when you're making a product, make sure you think about all the materials that go into it and think about what's going to happen at the end of that product's life cycle. If you're designing something with, let's say, Tetra Pak, there's no way that can be recycled. So you might want to reconsider designing that. So to conclude this sort of global trash trade problem, 
This is actually an opportunity. This is a chance for us to reorganize how we were handling our waste and an opportunity to do better in the future. So to some it's a crisis, but I see it a little differently. I see it as a chance to start fresh, to rebuild US and European recycling and have a true waste management system that is not only sustainable environmentally, but it's also sustainable economically and it's fair to people. I'm Nature Nate, and this has been the Waste Not Why Not podcast recorded in a soundproof underground bunker in Taipei, Taiwan. Send your environment questions to ask at wastenotwhynot.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts. Support us on Patreon. This has been a Ghost Island Media production recorded on a Yeti microphone provided by Blue. This episode is produced by Emily Y. Wu and myself, Nature Nate. Edited by Emily Y. Wu. Original theme song by Chris Lowe. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. This concludes our multi-part series on garbage. We will definitely be revisiting garbage again soon because I love garbage, and I hope you do too.